Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, November 18th, 2019. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will give you my top takeaways from week 11 in the NFL. I'll also take a look at the current playoff picture. And there's a lot of other NFL news outside of the games that we saw on Sunday. I will share my thoughts on the Miles Garrett incident from Thursday night. Also, the Colin Kaepernick fiasco from Saturday. And Rob Gronkowski has announced that he has another announcement. So he announced an upcoming announcement, which would be his, what, his second announcement since he's been retired. If you count the retirement announcement, this would be his third announcement that he's had since the last time he played a game for the New England Patriots. What is that announcement going to be? He says he's going to make it tomorrow on Tuesday. The question that everybody is asking today, is Gronk just trolling us? Is this just as simple as Gronk being a troll? He knows he's going to get our attention by coming up with this announcement. What is he going to announce? And should we really pay that much attention to it? I'll tell you what I think. All of it today, presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C. And you can play for free this Sunday in the $1.1 million play action contest for Week 12 in the NFL. $1.1 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. You can win $100,000 this coming Sunday just by signing up using promo code PICK, P-I-C, and you can play for free in this contest for a chance to win that 100000 Again, promo code PICK, P-I-C, promo code PICK, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Monday, November 18th. Real quick, before I get all into the NFL right now, uh, I, I did go on some rants over the weekend on Twitter. You can follow me, at Danny Picard. With regards to all this Houston Astros Spygate stuff, right? The Houston Astros, they have been caught once again coming up with schemes on how they spy on teams and steal signals and let their hitters know while they're in the batter's box what those signals are going to be and and what pitches are coming, fastball, curveball, changeup, you name it. The Astros have been caught, and this story is huge right now in the baseball world, and really in the sports world. And what I told you, even going back to last Thursday's show and throughout the weekend on Twitter, is that it's really not, this really isn't new. The concept of the Astros spying and stealing signals and even using video cameras to steal signals and then relaying that message to their team, the concept of the Astros doing this stuff is, is not new. It's really not new. And I say that because I'm the one that broke the original story during the ALCS last year, last October. Not, not this past postseason, the postseason before when the Red Sox were playing the Astros in the ALCS. And I told you that I'm the one that broke that original news. And now all these guys like Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Passan, who else? You name it. All the big name baseball reporters. They're all kind of piggybacking off my initial report. And what I said last week was these guys would never even be they wouldn't be piggybacking off shit 
if it wasn't for me and my original report because they would have never even got this information. I, I'm, I'm confident in telling you that this stuff wouldn't even be an issue right now or wouldn't even be a story if I didn't break my initial report. Because I gave those guys the open to go, all right, let's do our digging with our sources now. And here's what they found. The problem I have with it, not that they're coming up with new, some new details and, you know, there's emails now that are out there of Astros executives, you know, trying to get scouts and staffers to, to steal signs and, and, and spy and help the team. I'm not, my, my beef isn't with these new reports and the new details that are coming out. My beef is with all these guys just ignoring my initial report from last year. They're going back to reports from like things that happened in 2017 and then things that happened this season in 2019. And they're just ignoring my initial report, which is a joke. And I told you on Thursday why I think that was the case. Now, I threw out this theory that maybe longtime MLB columnist Richard Justice uh, was maybe bad-mouthing me to some of these guys, and perhaps I've been shunned by the baseball, the, the good old boy baseball media network, which is a possibility. But I just think in general, these guys, you know, they know that they're the big-name baseball reporters, and, and I'm, not one, I'm not a big-name baseball reporter. I'm not. I'm not. Um, in fact, I'm a columnist and, and I just happened to dig on a story that I heard about and I broke the biggest story in baseball. It was a bombshell report. And yet you got people out there trying to give, not only were they ignoring my report at first, but now the people that mention my report, the people that do mention it, they don't even give me the credit. They give Jeff Passan the credit. He was with Yahoo Sports last year. Now he's with ESPN. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Jeff Passan, Jeff Passan, I don't know. I don't know if I'm putting the emphasis on the on the right syllable. I don't know what I'm doing there. But it's just, you know who he is if you cover if you follow baseball coverage, if you know who covers Major League Baseball. He wrote for Yahoo Sports last year, and in fairness to Jeff Passan, he gave me credit even though he mentioned he referenced the the outlet wrong. You know, he said uh, the Metro. The Metro Times. No, it's the Boston Metro newspaper. Well, you know, it, there's no Times. There's no Metro Times. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but he did link it, and he basically came up with the report last year that had, you know, kind of piggybacked off my report with some, some more details on the person who was doing the spine. The initial report, though, reported by me. So at least Jeff Passan did link my story, did kind of give me credit, but everybody now that does mention the story, they're giving Jeff Passan the credit. Crazy, right? So there's a lot of my I think my beef with it is, and anybody who's like, Danny, let it go, like this, that, the other thing, you overreact, and I don't know, if you were in my shoes, you would be pissed off to be ignored the way I've been ignored throughout this whole thing the last week and a half. The way my story has been ignored. And then when it's not ignored, I just don't get named. I don't even, they, people, there's like, there's something going on where people just can't even get to the point where they will let my name come out of their mouth. I've heard it here in local Boston radio from people that I thought were actually, you know, people that I thought, you know, I was friendly with, right? They, they My name doesn't even come out of their mouth. So, so fuck them, okay? And I know who they are. And by the way, the, you know, the list gets longer by the day, by the way. <laughs> but um, 
it's kind of crazy. It is crazy, though. Like, you, you, they just can't mention my name. Like, what is that? Like, what is that? I don't, I don't understand. Right? It's just, they, they just can't let my name come out of their mouth. But anyways, um, I had to clear up some things on social media and say, hey, guys, all right, now you're actually, finally, you're going to stop ignoring my story. But, but don't give credit to Jeff Passan. He didn't break it. I did. Passan would have never even been going after that story if not for my report. Think about it. These guys all piggybacked off my report and then they can't mention my name or they can't, they can't give me credit. There are people in the industry that will never break a story that as big as the one I broke last year. Like, I could get a full-time job as a sports columnist and I, might, and I could be doing it for 30 more years and I might never break a story as big as I broke last year. That's how big that was. And yet more stuff comes out on it now. And it's like, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's just, that's why this industry is a complete and utter clown show with a bunch of fucking boobs. All right. Just, I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate most people in it. I do. I do. But we move on, right? We move on. The Astros are spying. To the, just to the point, I don't even care. I don't even care about the story anymore. I feel so disrespected. <laughs> um, anyways, we move on to the NFL. That's the mo- most meaningful thing right now is the National Football League. And um, I am on the edge of my seat for this one tonight on Monday Night Football. That's when week 11 will end. It's in Mexico City, and it is part of my picks. Picks, picks. I give them to you every Thursday. I went 3-1 and one so far. I give you five games against the spread every Thursday. I went 3-1 and one so far. And my fifth pick against the spread is the Chargers plus four tonight on Monday Night Football over Kansas City. And I, 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 here's what I got wrong on Thursday, so I apologize for this. I was saying this game is in L.A. The Chargers are the home team. Well, they're the home team, but it's not in L.A. It's in Mexico City. I didn't know this. They, I feel like they kind of buried this. They kind of buried this news that this game's in Mexico City. I honestly didn't think they were going back after what happened the last time. Right? Wasn't that a disaster last time? Didn't what, what, did they cancel it? Or they they didn't have it there. I don't. I I forget what the exact situation was, but for whatever reason, I I didn't see that. I didn't know this was coming. I didn't know this game was in Mexico City. Now, does that change my pick? No, it doesn't change my pick. I'm still taking charges plus four. That's what I picked it at on Thursday. Right now, the spread is five. The Chargers are a five-point dog. So I'm sticking with Chargers plus four. And if I can win that one, I do think it's still going to be close. Then I'll finish three and one. Excuse me, I'll finish four and one. Right now, I am three and one. My only loss for week 11 was Houston plus four. I mean, the Texans. My goodness. What happened in Baltimore yesterday at one o'clock for Houston? Uh you know, credit where credit's due to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and I'll get in, I'll get more into this game in just a minute, giving you my top five takeaways from week 11. But I took Houston plus four, and they got whooped by Baltimore. That was my only loss. Uh, my wins, I took the Patriots minus three and a half. And so with the 17 to 10 win over the Eagles in Philly, it wasn't pretty, but a win is a win is a win. And a cover is a cover is a cover. So minus three and a half, I got that right with the Patriots. I got the Rams right minus six and a half on Sunday Night Football. 
just barely, a 10-point win with that one over Chicago as Trubisky gets taken out of that game in the fourth quarter. They're saying, what, a hip injury? I don't know. I don't know. Is that what, that's what we're doing? That's what we're calling it? A hip injury? Or just general a general suck fest from Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago offense? I think he's... I think they should fire whoever's calling the plays, the offensive plays. Is it the head coach, the offensive coordinator? I mean, there was a third down play where they ran the option. And yeah, Trubisky, they even pointed it out in the broadcast, Trubisky probably should have, you know, attacked the left side a little bit harder. (laughs) Like he took two steps and then pitched it to his left because he saw he was going to take a big hit. But I mean, just the play call there. How are you calling that play? An option on a third down? It's just, that was foolish. But anyways, play calling, good play calling, a bad play calling. Chicago's offense is terrible. That's a big reason why I picked the Rams minus six and a half. And they win, and they cover for me. And then my third win was my lock of the week. I took New Orleans minus five and a half over Tampa Bay. They get a nice win over the Buccaneers. Uh, in Tampa Bay, so New Orleans there with a bounce back win. They win and cover the minus five and a half, so three and one. And then I got the Chargers tonight at plus four. But by the time you listen to this, that game might be over with. So um, yeah, game might be over with by the time you listen to it. So I'm not gonna keep hopping on that. So let's get to my top five takeaways from Week Eleven. Number one, number one. It is officially a two-team race for the number one seed in the AFC between the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens. The Patriots with a win over Philly at nine. They're nine and one now. The Ravens are eight and two. And it wasn't just a win for the Ravens. It was a big win for the Ravens because they beat Houston. And so you get that. Now, if you're Baltimore, it's like you're sitting pretty in the two seed at eight and two. You got the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Patriots. You got the head-to-head tiebreaker over Houston. And, um, you know, you lost to Kansas City. But, you know, Kansas City 6-4. And, and who knows? They could lose to the Chargers on Monday night. I, I, I mean, Kansas City's got big-time defensive issues. So their offense can look as good as you want to praise them. It's just they, Kansas City's defense can't stop anything. That's been, that's been the general theme of Kansas City's season even throughout the Mahomes injury, is that the Chiefs' defense is so bad. It's so bad. And I don't know that they're going to fix that. So um, if you're Baltimore, you're in the two-seed right now, a big win over Houston. I I will say that, and I tweeted about this, the non-pass interference call on DeAndre Hopkins, it was a fourth down that Houston went for it. This was a, it was, it was 0-0 in the first quarter. No score. And, Houston went for it on fourth down, and ha- and and Deshaun Watson throws a pass to the right side in the end zone to Hopkins, and it looked like he should have caught it, and then <laughs> the 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 defensive back just basically tackled DeAndre Hopkins before the ball got there. They didn't throw a flag on the play, and then after that, they they obviously you got the challenge that came from Houston. You could challenge pass interference. And they didn't reverse it. They they continued to say, yeah, no, it's a no call. It's a non-pass interference call. And it's a turnover on downs. It should have been a touchdown. If anything, obviously it wasn't a touchdown because he didn't catch it. But you get what I'm saying. If he didn't tackle him, Hopkins would have. 
caught that ball for a touchdown. If anything, you know, Houston should have been in prime position to have a first down and easily get a touchdown in that spot. And um, they should have reversed it, and they didn't. And so now, that's basically, and I've been saying this for weeks, the NFL has unofficially changed the rule that you can challenge pass interference. They basically said, this is dumb. We don't want it anymore. So here's how, the only thing we can do right now is we cannot reverse it, no matter how egregious it is. Like that one yesterday with Baltimore and Houston on Hopkins. It was egregious. That should have, that should be, like, if you're going to review something, if you review that and you say, eh, I don't know if that's pass interference or not, then what are we doing? But it's clear the NFL is like, we just, it's clear they said, we're not review, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to change it. We're not going to reverse it, right? We're not going to reverse this. It's clear they said that. That's the only, it's the only reason that makes sense yesterday. And so if you're going to do that though, it's like, just, just, just tell them they can't, just end the rule. Eliminate the rule right now. Because at this point, you're just wasting our time. You, you're making us sit there for pass interference challenges, and we know it's not going to be reversed. So you're just wasting our time. You're slowing the game down. You're making this whole process boring. Just eliminate the rule. And I get it, there's a precedent. You don't want to eliminate rules in the middle of the season. But we've... We've come to a point where we all get it. We all know what you're doing. You've unofficially eliminated the rule that you could challenge pass interference. So, so you might as well just eliminate it completely, right? Just eliminate it completely. Make it official. But they haven't done that yet. But anyways, that play could have changed the game. You know, Houston, they get a touchdown first. What have I said about Lamar Jackson? I think... You, you need him to play from behind. And Houston could have did that early, and then they didn't. Then they didn't. And, um, you know, Baltimore ran away with it. I, I will say that Baltimore, this was a more impressive win for the Ravens than the Patriots win, mainly because I thought in the game against the Patriots, you know, if Edelman doesn't fumble in the second half, then... You know, as the Patriots were driving with the no-huddle offense, if Edelman didn't fumble, Patriots would have won that game. I think. But you play Houston, a team that's battling with you for a first-round bye, and you don't just beat them, you beat them like this, that's a more impressive win to me. So uh, a big win for Baltimore. They've they've won six straight, and now it's officially, like I said, it's a two-team race for the number one seed in the AFC between the Patriots and the Ravens. From the Patriots' perspective, they're the one seed right now at 9-1. and one. And they beat the Eagles 17-10, but it is very clear, and you're going to see people freaking out about this all week, especially when you look back at Tom Brady's post-game press conference. It's clear that the Patriots need offensive help. And I... I, I I thought it would look better than it did look yesterday. I mean, Edelman had to throw a touchdown pass, right? Edelman had to throw a touchdown pass. At the same time, Edelman should have caught that touchdown pass. He dropped a clear touchdown that ended up in a field goal. And so if he catches that touchdown, then it really doesn't matter what the Eagles do there at the end of the game. You know, it was a close. It, it was probably the score was closer than it probably should have been because Edelman dropped that touchdown pass. 
But still, even if he caught it, even if he caught it, the Patriots offense, they have issues. It was not pretty. Tom Brady is obviously frustrated. But you're going to have people in this town put all that together. And, you know, they're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo on the 49ers winning once again. Coming from behind, winning with the last second touchdown. Garoppolo's, he loves it in San Fran. They're 9-1. and one. They have the same record as the Patriots. Um, why can't Brady get get any help? Why isn't Brady happy? Well, I mean, I just see this right now with the Patriots, and I think to myself, it can all change with some better blocking. The offensive line for the Patriots is horrible. I don't even really know who this dude Newhouse is, the left tackle who's been in this spot since Isaiah Wynn went down, but he is no good, okay? I he, He's no good. He's no, he's awful. So you got a left tackle who can't stop anything. You got an offensive line that because of that is feeling the effects all the way down the rest of the offensive line. Tom Brady is probably seeing ghosts right now. And, you know, he's made a couple bad decisions, a couple balls that probably should have been picked yesterday, especially that one in the end zone to the right side of the end zone. We st- he starts running to his right. Um... You know, the Patriots got offensive issues right now, but I do think that as much as people are going to sit here and go, oh, they don't provide Brady with this, that, the other thing, it really all comes back to the offensive line. If you if you can give... Look, if we've learned anything with the Patriots, and it's so shocking to me that there are a lot of people in this town that just can't seem to comprehend this this idea, that if Tom Brady has that extra second or two in the pocket... That is going to allow someone like Edelman or someone like, I don't know, now you look at it with Dorsett having that injury after he caught the touchdown pass. Um, We talk about Nikhil Harry now in the mix. You talk about Jacoby Myers, who ran a couple routes the wrong way yesterday that obviously pissed Brady off. Um, Mohamed Sanu. You know, it allows those guys an extra second or two to get open, and Brady's going to find them. So it really does all come back to what's going on up front and in front of Tom Brady. You got to fix that. You got to fix that. And maybe that will be fixed because now all eyes are on Isaiah Wynn. He can come back off of injured reserve and it can happen in this game against Dallas in week 12 this coming Sunday at 425 on Fox at Gillette Stadium against the Dallas Cowboys. And um, my biggest concern in this game against Dallas, though, and not... Not to completely move all the way on from this Philly game just yet, but I think what's been very clear over the last couple games, going back to the Baltimore game and even in this one, and, you know, even at times against Cleveland, I think if there's one issue I have with this Patriots defense is that they have a tough time stopping the run. They're having a tough time with the run. You know, they had a tough time with Ingram in Baltimore. I think they're going to have a tough time with Ezekiel Elliott. And so... Um, you know, I get it. I'm, I'm jumping around there from the offensive line to the Patriots defense, but that was just me looking ahead to Dallas and and what they could do against the Cowboys. But, you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people concerned with the Patriots. There's going to be a lot of people in this town looking at Brady's post game and thinking, well, he's unhappy and this is his last season in New England and the Patriots are falling apart within... You know, Brady doesn't like his weapons. Gronk's not walking back through that door, or is he? I'll get to that in a moment. But the way I break this down and the way I look at it, I know this isn't the the sexy topic of conversation, 
You know, I, I get it. Like, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman are not going to be saying this on first take as they yell back and forth at each other. But I do think the Patriots' offensive issues, fixing it, or at least beginning to fix it, is still as simple as maybe getting someone like Isaiah Wynn back, getting Newhouse out of the offensive line, and and giving Tom Brady an extra second or two in the pocket, giving Brady some confidence in his blocking, which then gives him the confidence to make the play to somebody that does get open with that extra second or two. I, I, I just don't... I, I don't think it's that complicated. And I think it's very possible that they could do that. That they could put someone in, they could fix something up front with the offensive line, and then they could have a day. You know? And then all of a sudden, Edelman's got the eight catch, 125 receiving yards. Sanu's got 85 receiving yards. You get a big day dumping it off to James White. And all of a sudden, everyone's going, oh, wow, Patriots offense is back. Like, if that happens, if you have a game like that, I get news for you. It's going to be because there's some extra protection up front. And so, is it impossible that the Patriots fix those issues up front? No, it's not impossible. So, am I going to sit here and hit the panic button and smash the panic button? No, I'm not. Why would I? They won the game. <laughs> like, and, and Brady says, well, you know, the strength of our team is our defense. Special teams. Is he wrong? He's not wrong. It's the strength of the team right now. But there's still time to fix some things with the offense. And I just feel like the storm's coming. You know, like, if you think we've seen the end of the Patriots offense having success in this league, man, you haven't been paying attention. Because, again, I just told you what the fix was. And it is fixable. If we've learned anything with the Patriots, Brady, McDaniels, Dante Skarniecki, Bill Belichick, it's that the issue that they have on offense is fixable. It's fixable. We've seen them fix it many times before. I don't know why you think they can't fix it again. Well, they, they, they will. They will. That's almost a guarantee. That's why I say the storm's coming. They're going to fix the offensive line. They're going to have a couple games in which Brady's got time in the pocket. More time than he had yesterday in Philly. And look, let's let's also say that that's a hostile environment in Philly. Right? Against an Eagles defense that likes to get to the quarterback. That had success doing it. So, I mean, let, let's not act like they went into Cincinnati and had issues. <laughs> There's some credit where it's due on the other side. But you also, at the same time, cannot ignore the Patriots' offensive issues. I'm just trying to tell you that they're fixable. That's all. They're fixable. And we'll see if they fix them against Dallas this Sunday in Week 12. As of right now, the Patriots a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against this Cowboys team that's coming off a win over the Detroit Lions. Uh, I mean, Patriots should beat Dallas. And then you get the big games in Houston and then against Kansas City. Right? But, I mean, I think the Patriots could still run the table here. There's no reason for me to think otherwise. A lot of people are going to make it sound like Patriots lost this game yesterday against the Eagles. That's that's just the way some people function in this town. To draw a reaction. And, you know, just people needing to complain about something. Are there issues? Of course there are. Will the Patriots fix them? History tells me the issues that they have are fixable. 
and I think they will fix them. So uh, my top takeaway of week 11 in the NFL, it is a two-team race for the number one seed, Patriots and the Ravens. And um, Patriots are 9-1, the Ravens rating two. Credit to Baltimore, they win six straight. It's the longest active win streak right now this season in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think for them to separate themselves, you look at Kansas City and Houston, both at 6-4. and four. Uh, I mean, this is a huge game for Kansas City on Monday night. Because if they lose this, you're talking about the Chargers. They play again in Week 17. And that could be for the division. And the team that loses that game, if it's for the division, might not get in the playoffs. You know, Houston right now is the sixth seed. Right? And they got Oakland up there behind. You got Pittsburgh now up there behind. Tennessee. Hey, Cleveland at four and six. I mean... The AFC playoff picture is is far from being set, and that brings me. I mean that 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 brings me to number two. N- number two is not in the AFC; it's in the NFC. It's that the NFC playoff picture is basically set. I think this is the second takeaway from Week Eleven as I sit back here and look at now the NFC, which will bring me back to the AFC picture in just a moment. Bear with me. But my number two takeaway is that the NFC playoff picture is basically set. At least we know all six teams that are going to be in the tournament. Even with the Rams winning last night and the Rams being six and four. Because you got Minnesota coming back to beat Denver the way they beat Denver. And man, if you're the Broncos, how do you lose that game? How do you lose that game? How do you lose that game? Well, Credit also to Minnesota. Minnesota's a good team. They win that game, they're eight and three. But Minnesota is the sixth seed. The sixth seed in the NFC. Um, you know, then you get Seattle, the five seed, who had the bye at eight and two. It's just you look at the division winners, San Fran at nine and one. They're not gonna lose that division. They're gonna win that division. Green Bay, the two seed, at eight and two. They're they're on the bye this week. They're not going to lose that division. Okay? They're going to win that division. New Orleans, 8-2. and two. They had a three seed. They're not losing that division. Dallas is the four seed at 6-4. and four. They're the only team that maybe you could look at and say, you know, Philly could perhaps win the division and sneak into the playoff picture. But I, I mean, I'd have to put my money on Dallas still winning the division. Because Philly's banged up. I... And I just don't, I, I see it more with Dallas getting in and winning that division. Um, but then the wildcard teams, Seattle and Minnesota, Seattle at 8-2, and two, the 5 seed, and Minnesota, the 6 seed at 8-3. and three. Man, they are, they, those two teams are not going to give teams like the Rams, the Panthers, a shot. They're not to get in. They're just not going to give them a shot. So if you're the Rams, you might turn it around. You might not get. You might not get in. You, I, I think that what we're looking at in the NFC right now, perhaps outside of the Philly Dallas battle for the NFC East title, but I still would give that to Dallas because they're ahead right now. I think what you're looking at in the NFC is that the playoff picture is basically set with regards to the six teams we know are going to be in: uh, San Fran, Green Bay, New Orleans, Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota. I think those are the six teams that are going to be in. And, and I, that brings me to the number three takeaway, is that the opposite in the AFC, the AFC playoff picture is not set. It is far from it. Far from it. 
I already told you. It's a two-team race for the number one seed. That still doesn't mean that Kansas City or Houston or even Indianapolis couldn't get the number two seed, but it is, it is kind of a long shot, I think. Um, but I'm talking about the wild card teams, the teams that are still alive. Right now, Buffalo is the five seed at seven and three. Houston is the six seed at six and four. Oakland is in the outside looking in at six and four. They just get another win. Pittsburgh is five and five. Tennessee's five and five. Cleveland's four and six. So you you got a handful of teams that are battling for the wild card. I mean, look at how is Buffalo? Buffalo's schedule. That's gotta be the easiest schedule I I have ever seen in the NFL for them to be seven and three. If you look at Buffalo's schedule. But um this is anybody's the AFC is a complete you know, there's there's two fights in the AFC. There's the fight for the number one seed between the Patriots and the Ravens. And then there's the fight for every other seed between Indy, Kansas City, Buffalo, Houston, Oakland, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. And I'm even throwing Cleveland in there. You want to throw the Chargers in there, you can throw them in. You want to throw Jacksonville in there, you can throw them in. AFC is a shit show. And it's the complete opposite in the NFC. Complete opposite in the NFC. That's because I think you got better teams in the NFC that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. In the AFC, there's really only two teams that have separated themselves, the Patriots and the Ravens. Everything else, we're talking about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams battling for seeds three through six. So it is a shit show in the AFC. And that's number three. Number four, my number four takeaway, it goes back to Thursday night. Miles Garrett suspended indefinitely which means the NFL gets something right. Now, how many times are you able to say that? <laughs> NFL gets something right. They got it right because they suspended him indefinitely. Did we think it would be anything other than that? Probably not. I mean, this was, let's not give the NFL too much credit. This is an easy decision. You know by now, Miles Garrett took his helmet, or had his helmet, excuse me, took Mason Rudolph's helmet off and smashed Mason Rudolph over the, over the head. With his own, with Mason Rudolph's helmet. Just, just a wild scene in that game on Thursday night. And uh, I had tweeted out right after it happened, wow, Miles Garrett, what a scumbag. And it was a scumbag move. I mean, you take a guy's helmet and you smash him over the head with it. <laughs> like, Miles Garrett is lucky that the part of the helmet he that Mason Rudolph got hit on he's lucky it wasn't the top crown of the helmet because if Mason Rudolph got hit with the top crown of the helmet not only would he have been knocked out cold but we who knows what we're talking about with what could have happened to Mason Rudolph so I think Miles Garrett is lucky here that the spot of the helmet that Mason Rudolph got hit on seemed to be like the underneath part which provided a little bit of padding uh, but the NFL gets it right. I mean, you get Miles Garrett. What is he doing? Like that's insane. You can't do that. Everybody knows you can't do that. Even Miles Garrett is like, shit. I can't do that. I messed up. He messed up. And the NFL, it's an easy decision. Yeah, you're out indefinitely. And that suspension should probably roll through even into next season. It should. You got to set a precedent here. Like you cannot hit someone with a helmet. So. 
my initial reaction is like, hey, you know, that's a scumbag move. This is insane that it even got to this point. He should be suspended indefinitely. They'll suspend him. Football will continue to be played and we'll move on. But you get these media members that decide to take this opportunity to like, you know, they just, I don't, I don't, it's so hard to describe, but you know who these people are and you know that they're exhausting. Like the Mike Florios, the Peter Kings, you know, they use this as a way to question whether or not parents should let their kids play football. Mike Florio, who's a lawyer, you know, in case you didn't know, in case he's never really mentioned that. Florio takes this opportunity to talk about, you know, put him in, put him in jail. You know, put Miles Garrett behind bars. Adam Schefter tells a story about he was walking down the street and somebody came up to him and said, Miles Garrett, he should be put in prison. I, I mean, these guys just take it to a new level. Which then gets me back to thinking, huh, maybe I am on Miles Garrett's side. <laughs> like, I say that someone in jest on Twitter. But some of these media members, man, they are just exhausting with the way they dramatize everything in order to, like, make this point that is really just a look-at-me moment. Like, it's crazy. The overreactions. Like, to go from, okay, Look, we all get it. It's insane what Miles Garrett did. We all get it. You don't need to, you don't need to say things to try to convince people that what Miles Garrett did was horribly wrong. If there are people who are arguing that what Miles Garrett did was ho- horribly wrong and saying, "Well, maybe it wasn't that bad," then these people are so dumb, you shouldn't even waste any energy arguing with them. They're not worth it. They're morons. They're not worth your time. You have a full-time job as a media member covering the National Football League. If you have somebody come to you, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's in the streets, whether it's via email, whether it's comments on your website, and they're like, well, you know, I don't know that what Miles Garrett did was all that wrong. Don't, don't even bother responding to these people. But like we all, most of us, actual humans, understand that what Miles Garrett did was wrong. Then you get these media members that feel the need to like, dramatize it just in case we don't know how wrong it is. You should maybe be put behind bars. Or, you know, parents should question whether or not their kids should play football. Like, guys, relax. Relax. The overreactions that you have to this stuff, to me, is everything that's wrong in the world. These overreactions. We get it. He did something wrong. It's insane what he did. It's wild what happened. You know, we'll analyze it. He, he's suspended indefinitely. I don't think we're going to see that again. You hope he learns his lesson and we move on. Nothing can be that simple. There's got to be the overreactions from the guys that put it on a whole new level. And these people are so exhausting that they make me sit, sit back and go, oh, man. Where can I buy a Miles Garrett jersey? Right? You, you make me suddenly side with Miles Garrett. You make me suddenly believe, like, eh, maybe Mason Rudolph had it coming to him. 
Again, I say that in jest. But it's just these guys take it to a whole new level. The NFL, they get it right. I don't want to see Miles Garrett get arrested. Right? That's not, I don't want to see that. This shouldn't be this. There shouldn't be, like, this situation, it was just, yeah, we got to give the initial reactions, but even the next day, people are talking about how, you know, Miles Garrett should not just be kicked out of the league, he should be put in jail, like, enough, enough, with the overreactions. But, it's, they're never going to be done overreacting, to stuff. And this is just one example. Um, anyways, Garrett suspended and we move on and we play football. And that's what I thought would happen. I think that's what we all believe should happen. And that's what we do. Number five. Number five. Speaking of the NFL and whether or not they get things right. Well, the NFL doesn't get everything right, as we know. And they certainly didn't get the Colin Kaepernick situation right. If you weren't paying attention to this fiasco, I ranted on this on Thursday's show last week. Colin Kaepernick was given a day to have a private workout in Atlanta in front of NFL teams this Saturday, this past Saturday. He was informed of this of this workout early last week. Or well, maybe was it last weekend? And Kaepernick's team and his reaction to it was like, well, can we have it on a Tuesday? So the teams are not, like, traveling to their games on Sunday. And Tuesday is is the day that, the best day for most teams to be able to make it. And come and, and attend the workout. And the NFL was like, no, no, you're going to have it on a Saturday. We're giving you this workout, we're going to have it on a Saturday. And there's going to be this, that, and the other thing, and this is how we're going to do it, and you're going to do it, and you're going to listen to how we do it, and, and this is, that. that's it. You know, we're sticking to our guns on this one. And so Kaepernick and his team, I guess, you know, they really, what can they say? They were begging for an opportunity to work out in front of teams, to get a workout, and they got one. Like I said, though, last week, I don't think this workout going in, I don't think this workout showed that the NFL cared about Colin Kaepernick and his opportunity. If anything, I think the NFL was giving its owners and and its teams an easy excuse to not attend the workout because they were doing it a day before NFL games were going to be played. I think this was part of the plan. You know, we can give teams an easy excuse to not attend. If you do it on a Tuesday, eh, what's your excuse on a Tuesday? Now, your excuse isn't as good as if it were on a Saturday and you're like, well, hey, Kamish, I mean, we do have a meaningful game the next day. And I think if somebody said that, I think we can all go, well, yeah, you're right, you do. You do have a meaningful game. So I think that was part of the NFL's plan. It's It seemed to me like giving him this workout on a Saturday was just the NFL trying to save face, the NFL trying to, you know, win the public relations battle and try to look good. And so they'll be able to say, hey, we gave him a workout. We gave him an opportunity. Don't say we didn't give him an opportunity. We gave him the private workout on Saturday in Atlanta. But what I told you last week was, like, if they just, re- if they really wanted to give him an opportunity, first of all, they should have done this, you know, maybe not even during the season. They should have did it a year, two years ago. But if you're going to do it now, 
why are you like what's the point of having a workout for Kaepernick and then having all these demands if you're the league even if there's like one demand why are there any demands why can't you just say here's where you got to be here's the time you're going to do it and anything you want to bring a video team good you want to bring your own receivers fine you want to stretch out an hour before fine what like why is the NFL placing any restrictions, even if they're just small restrictions? Like, what? what's the point of that? Well, I'll tell you what the point is. The point is that the NFL wants to control this because they want to control the narrative. So they have this workout, or at least they, they plan it on Saturday. And what was it, like an hour before the workout, a couple hours before the workout? There was drama on Saturday because Kaepernick didn't, this didn't seem completely transparent from the NFL side because the NFL wouldn't let Kaepernick bring his own film crew in. Um, you know, there was some other things, small stuff that shouldn't really matter to either side. And Kaepernick said, you know what? We're not going to do it there. We're going to do it somewhere else. And Kaepernick decided to change the location and the time of the workout on Saturday. He held the workout. It was just like an hour away at a different spot with his own people filming it. And he blamed it on a lack of transparency with the NFL and what the NFL was trying to do with the workout in Atlanta. And both sides released statements. Colin Kaepernick did a little media scrum and a press conference and um, basically saying that he proved that he could still play. I saw a couple highlights of the video. Yeah, he could throw the ball downfield. I mean, I, I look, I, I don't know with regards to what he does on the field in this workout, like, I don't know what he did or didn't do to show anybody that he can or can't play in the NFL. Like, I have no idea. Some people are out there going, wow, you see those highlights? Like, he showed. He can still play. Other people uh, are out there saying, eh, you know what? Obviously, by, by moving the workout to a different location and causing this chaos right before the workout, he proved that he doesn't really want to play. He just wants to continue to... Uh, make noise, right? He wants to c- continue to play the victim. So, I think what I learned with this situation is, on Saturday, is that nobody's ever gonna... This is this is more political than anything else, still. And when it comes to politics and political viewpoints, you are never gonna convince the other side of believing something different than they already believe. There are, it's just preconceived notions. Like you're never going to be able to change those things. Like people who, and you all know these people and you might be one of them. And you might even be able to admit yourself that you have political viewpoints and you're not going to ever see the other side of things. And it's just, this is the way the world is. I don't, I actually think you're in the majority if you feel that way. It's like, but what I learned was, you know, the people who hate Kaepernick are going to continue to hate Kaepernick after this. The people who think that Kaepernick you know, has been um, screwed by the league and there's collusion with the league and league owners and they won't bring him in and they won't give him a fair shot. They still feel that way today after Saturday. Me, I have kind of like this, like I blame both sides. I, I, I say to myself, because of what happened on Saturday, like if you're Kaepernick, why can't you just still do the workout in Atlanta? I don't get that. If you're the NFL though, 
at the, at the same time, I say, if you're the NFL, why do you need any restrictions whatsoever? Like, what's, like, why? If you really want to give him an opportunity, why do you need any restrictions? I don't care if it's the smallest little restriction that doesn't even factor in to what he's going to do on the field. Why do you need any restrictions? What, like, why can't you just be transparent about it? Well, the answers that I get to those things, uh, I can, I can, I think I can side with Kaepernick a little bit more because it is clear that because the NFL even has one tiny restriction, it's their way of trying to control this situation. But why are you trying to control the situation? Give him a workout. If a team wants to sign him, let him sign him. This should be easy. This should be simple. And because the NFL has complicated it with a res- with the fact that they're having it on a Saturday, if I'm Kaepernick, I'm like, all right, this is... We don't want this on a Saturday. Like, what's the... How would it hurt you to do this on a Tuesday? How would it hurt you? So already, I think Kaepernick's going into this thing. His team's going into this thing. They don't trust the NFL. And I can kind of understand that. You know, at the same time, once you get there on Saturday... Should you have just gone and should should Kaepernick have just gone and worked out? Yeah, he probably should have. He probably should have just gone in and worked out. But he did feel like, and he does feel like, the NFL is trying to control something with this situation. That like collusion still exists within the league and and owners and um and and I guess I can't blame him for feeling that way because it does seem like that from the outside. This should be, if the NFL really, my point is this, if the NFL really wanted to give Colin Kaepernick a fair workout, an honest opportunity to give teams, honestly, a good chance to get a look at him and then make their own decisions on him and kind of wipe, wash their hands clean of it and go, guys, you know what? There's not, we can't force a team to sign him, but what we're going to do is here's an arena, here's a field, here's a film crew. If you want to bring your own, go ahead. You want to hold your own media session after? Go ahead. Just do it. And the teams can then make their own decisions. There's no restrictions. Why would there be restrictions? The only restrictions is we're not going to let fans in. That's it. No restrictions. Why would that be so difficult? Like, why is that so difficult for the NFL to do? They can't do it. They can't do it. And because they can't do that, I question where they're coming from with this. I question their motives. I question the way they want to control this, even in the smallest ways that they might want to control it, with the smallest restrictions. There should be no restrictions. And because there are restrictions, I I don't think this is a... I, I don't think it can be looked at from Kaepernick's perspective to be a very fair process. Should he have performed in Atlanta at the original location in the original time? Yeah, he should have. But the whole thing kind of still smells to me like the NFL is, is they don't really want the guy in the league. And any restriction at all is not making this a completely fair process. That's the way I look at it. Um, but it really should be easy. It, it should be. And the reason, it, the, the reason it's not easy is because at the end of the day, the NFL really still doesn't care about Colin Kaepernick and do, they don't. They really still don't want him in the league. That, that's basically it. That's basically it. Does Kaepernick help himself with certain things? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But at the same time, 
if he really is just asking for no restrictions and let me go work out and let teams show up, that shouldn't be hard for the NFL to do. But yet, they won't do it. And that's where I have my biggest issue with the way the NFL has handled the whole thing. So, uh, that's number five. Is that while the NFL got the Miles Garrett thing right, they don't get everything right. In fact, usually, most of the time, the NFL gets it wrong. And I think they're getting it wrong once again with Colin Kaepernick. So, um, that's what we got. Week 11 in the NFL. And we now... We'll watch the Monday night game. And we'll also wait here in New England for the announcement. Oh, that's right. The announcement. Rob Gronkowski's announcement. He put out a tweet yesterday on Sunday. It was yesterday, right? Or did he put this out Saturday? No, yesterday, Sunday morning. Or maybe it was at night. Maybe it was Saturday night. Either way. The video was posted over the weekend. And Gronk, in the video, says he's got a big announcement on Tuesday morning. Big announcement. And then, on Facebook, after that, Gronkowski reposted a post from Tom Brady from two years ago, three years ago, in which Tom Brady is on the beach calling his receivers and his offense, where he says, Patriots, assemble. And Gronk reposts that with a little comment of his own, teasing that Brady has called Gronk back to the Patriots, teasing that the announcement he teased on Twitter early in the day is is a potential return to the NFL. Look, I've been on Gronk watch since day one. You know it. If you listen to me, I've been on Gronk watch since day one. There's no taking me off Gronk watch. The only thing that's going to take me off Gronk watch is for the deadline for him to file for reinstatement to come and go. And that deadline is the business day before the Week 13 game. And the Week 13 game is Sunday, December 1st. Today is November 18th. Gronk has over a week here. Over a week. Called a week and a half to file for reinstatement from retirement if he wants to be able to be active for the rest of the season and into the playoffs. He has until before the Week 13 game on Sunday, December 1st in Houston. So the Patriots will play one more game, potentially, before Gronk makes a decision. Unless he makes a decision tomorrow on Tuesday of this week, Tuesday morning. I've been on Gronk Watch, and I will be on Gronk Watch until that Week 13 game is played in Houston, okay? You know that. I'm on Gronk Watch. I just believe that there's like a public negotiation taking place between Gronk, Rosenhaus, and Bill Belichick and the Patriots because I still believe that money is a factor. I do. I think it's a factor. Gronk was on Fox yesterday doing the pregame show, doing the pregame stuff. He was pounding his chest about how, you know, the Patriots... Uh, even in the postgame, he was, I, I don't know if it was halftime, pregame, postgame, but there was a video on Twitter where he's like, ah, you know, the Patriots offense, they don't have me anymore. I just feel like Drew Rosenhaus has, he's, he wrote the script here. He wrote the script. Gronk hadn't been on Fox for a couple weeks, right? Or at least I haven't been seeing him. And he shows up yesterday. 
And he's got an announcement. His last announcement was his partnership with a CBD company. I told you the last time, though, that that announcement was not going to be football related. I told you it wasn't going to be football related. This one is a little... It's it's a little vague because he's not... The last announcement, he had a he had a press conference. He had a location. There were actual media members who were invited. It was invite only. And I just thought that was a little too much. I don't think he's announcing his return to football. And that was just a little too early. Now, it's like he's got an announcement. He's teasing some things with Brady on social media. What's he doing? Is Gronk trolling us? Even though I'm on Gronk Watch, right now, I do feel like He's trolling us. I do. I think a lot of people feel like he's trolling us. However, it is clear, like I said earlier, the Patriots need offensive help. It is clear that the Patriots want Gronk back. We have heard that from Robert Kraft. We have heard that from reports that say Robert Kraft hopes he can return. I think that if you just look at it logically... I'm sure everybody in the Patriots, including Tom Brady himself, will love for Gronk to return, file for reinstatement, and be ready for the rest of the season. Even if he's not ready, you know, right away. But if he if he files for reinstatement, yeah, I, I, I think there's hope there, right? And who knows? Maybe there's a conversation taking place right now. I don't know. I... I just have a tough time believing that Gronk is making an announcement on an announcement for that announcement to be a return to the NFL. Like, I think that if Gronk was going to return to the NFL, the first thing we would hear is a C is the Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport tweet. I don't think we would hear Gronk teasing an announcement. I don't think we would see Gronk doing things on social media. I think it would be a little more secretive. I do. I do. Um, and, you know, who knows? And I, it's funny. Like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm giving you this, uh, this rant on Gronk and the Patriots. And <laughs> I, uh, I have to, I have to check Twitter. I have to check Twitter just to make sure, like, just to make sure there's no breaking news on Gronk as I'm doing this. But I will say, I, I, I think that if, I do think Gronk's trolling us. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. I won't be surprised. Like, at the same time, I won't be surprised if he does come back. If there is an announcement, I would just be shocked if what Gronk is going to announce on Tuesday is his return. I think if he returns, we're just going to hear about it. We're not necessarily going to get the tease of the announcement from Gronk. I don't think there'll be a tease. I think there'll just be a, a a breaking news. Gronk is returning to the Patriots. And who knows? Maybe we get that tonight. Maybe we get that tweet tonight, the night before this announcement. I, I, I honestly don't know. Like, perhaps there's an announcement with the CBD company that they have another player involved, another former player involved with his company, that could be it. He does have to be careful, though. Like, with regards to these announcements, if, if this announcement is like, hey, I got a, I got a big CBD event, and we're going to announce that 
the man joining me on this with this CBD company over. We're partnering with TB12, like one of those. If it doesn't have to do with football, yeah, people are not going to take these announcements very seriously. I think there's part of me that's thinking he's bullshitting and thinking he's trolling us, but there's also the part of me being on Grunk Watch that has my antennas up. That has my antennas up. We shall see. I I don't know what the announcement is. I'd be lying to you if I told you I did. I I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong. Because <laughs> the Patriots need him. And I'm sure the Patriots would love to have him. I hope I'm wrong. But if I if if you put a gun to my head right now, I would say Gronk is trolling us. And this announcement on Tuesday has nothing to do with football. But please let me be wrong. Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, please hit us up with that tweet tonight that's like breaking news. Rob Gronkowski is going to be returning to the New England Patriots for the stretch run and the playoff run. And it was the plan all along. I wouldn't be surprised with that. But at the same time, I just, I have a tough time believing Gronk isn't trolling us right now and isn't taking advantage of all the publicity he has with all the eyes on him, knowing that there is this deadline before week 13. I hope I'm wrong, but I do think Gronk is trolling us right now. That's what I think. So um, those are my thoughts with the NFL and everything we saw this weekend. Uh, I will be back. The live stream on YouTube We've had some serious internet issues in this building, which obviously prevents a live stream from being seamless and, and being perfect. And if you have a live stream, you kind of need it to go perfect. Like, you can't just have a live stream that's delayed audio and la- laggy video, like choppy video. Like, who wants to tune into that? And I'm with you. I don't want to waste my time doing something and putting that together if it's not going to work out. So I'm still trying to figure some things out. We haven't been able to get the live stream functioning properly the last two weeks because of the internet issues in this building. Some of it was weather related, but I think it's more so there's just something going on. Um, and and as, I, as of right now, I don't think it's been fixed. So follow me on Twitter for updates on that. But At the very least, you know I will be back with this podcast on Thursday, every Monday and Thursday. Smash that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Also, all of my audio, video, blogs, columns, you name it, all on my website, dannypicard.com. That's dannypicard.com. And I also have a sign-up sheet for the Second annual Christmas Bowl, a Madden video game tournament benefiting the Boston Children's Hospital. Please sign up for that. Uh, It'll be a fun day. It's going to be in late December, right before Christmas. It's just right now we're still trying to nail down the exact day. Uh, It's either the 14th or the 21st. But if you could play, that'd be great. Madden, Madden 20, and it's going to be on Xbox. Christmas Bowl 2. Last year was the first Christmas Bowl. The first annual Christmas Bowl. We raised over 2500 bucks for Boston Children's Hospital. I think like $2,640 or something. Uh, we're hoping to raise more this year, so make sure you sign up for the tournament. Um, I will have more details on that, but there are some details right now on my website, dannypicard.com. That's where you can sign up. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Uh, I will talk to you soon. See you.